Dear Lord, I thank you so much uh, once again, Lord, that we have the ability to, to pause. Uh, Lord, this, this time is going really, really fast, and I feel like I um, am not accomplishing everything that you want me to accomplish. So I just ask, Lord, that you slow me down and help to order my thoughts so that way, Lord, that these parents can feel um, empowered and um, have the tools they need to be the educators that you've called them to be. And Lord, uh, we just give you this time. We surrender it to you. Lord, use it to your honor and glory. And we thank you and praise you so much for our children. In your name, amen. All right. So moving on to math then. And I'm just going to cover a couple of ideas. But I wanted to, to go back to one more idea for a science idea. And that is with a sit spot. One thing that I did with a sit spot is I let the kids take yarn. And they, they yarned out a square. Um, and I kept it kind of small because the idea is for them not necessarily to play but to observe. Um, teaching our children to observe is huge. It's super important to teach them how to observe instead of always having to be doing things. They don't always need to be using their hands. They don't always, they can learn to just sit and watch the world around them. And so I, you need to decide how big the square needs to be because it really depends on what's available to you in your terrain <laughs> and what your landscape looks like. But what's really cool about that sit spot is they can watch it change through the seasons. Okay, they can watch what wildlife comes through certain parts of the seasons. They can experience green buds on a tree. They can watch leaves change color. You know, and so the idea is in that sit spot. It can be a different than the other sit spot if you want, but this kind of sit spot, it just helps them to watch the seasons come and go and whatever happens. Um, another really cool idea is, um, last thing for science is a micro hike which means that you don't go very far, but you use your magnifying glass and you realize there's a literally a whole world and a little foot by foot space. There's a whole lot of life down there that we know very little about. A foot by foot, like I just start out very small for a micro hike because otherwise they get bored really quick and they're like, oh, there must be something somewhere else. It's like, no, dig deeper. Stop, dig deeper. What else? There's, there's gotta be life there. Let's keep looking, you know, and, and teaching them Teaching them, I think, to stop is, is a huge life lesson. It's, it's very necessary to be a, a very positive citizen in our environments is just to stop, reflect before I just spew out an answer. You know, like I think there's just so many life lessons and character building that you're doing for them by teaching them to stop. Um, okay, so moving on to math. Um, some cool ideas with math. You, well, we'll just go with stick math. The students need to get into groups and take 12 large and 12 small sticks. The challenge is to make a shape or picture that contains the most shapes possible. All right, so this is a, um, a big uh, upper grader level challenge, and this is a lower grade level challenge, okay? The challenge doesn't end here. On the chalkboard, create a chart of math concepts. Using chalk, the groups have to identify through colors and codes the different attributes. Example, circle and red, all the right angles. This is a great way to reinforce math concepts. You can take it a step further where you have your older graders doing surface area, parameter volume. Okay? So instead of just looking at that wonderful textbook which says, you know, find the surface area of the cylinder, now whatever, whatever giant shape they constructed inside is going to be all sorts of shapes. And what's really cool is they're going to be really difficult shapes that don't follow the perfect rules, but we know we have the ability and the formulas to solve these. Okay? Um, so this is where, this is where with math, um, you have to, it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult because the way our math curriculum is set up is very much like you need these steps to accomplish this and you need these steps. And so if you're not a mathematician, it can be very daunting 
to look at a math book and be like, oh yeah, I can step away from my math book and they'll be successful in math, um, especially as an upper grader. Um, so what I encourage people to do is do one creative, if you're teaching upper graders, because um, I think it's more worth it to stick to the math book as an upper grader than to have them not be able to follow the sequential steps because it's essential if they want to be, you don't want them to be like, I can't do math, so I'm not going to become an engineer. You know what I'm saying? And so as a little kid teacher, I think it's okay to step away, away from the math book and, and you'll still get their general concepts. But as an older one, if you're not sure you can do it, use the math book. Because <laughs> um, I've seen that where people are like, oh, I just can't do math. And then they really have a, a creative engineering kind of mind. But the fact that it's a bunch of math classes in college, they're like, I can't do it, I won't do it. And that's, that's too bad, you know what I'm saying? So don't, don't be so terrified. I mean, don't be so scared of your books that you'd completely just drop them. <laughs> like, no, use the books, it's fine. And all you could do is simply do practical math once a week. And that's, that's good, that's awesome. And you still have them use their book and they still sit at their desk and do the next lesson, but once a week you take math outdoors and you, you find the height of a tree. You, you do this shape thing. And because you could do this shape thing multiple ways because there's a lot of work to do with those 12, 12 sticks that they could make all sorts of shapes. And maybe you're just going to do parameters and then you're going to do surface areas. You know, you could do a building project for a math project, but just try to do practical math for your upper graders once a week instead of feeling the need for every math lesson to take it outdoors because that, in the end, it might cheat your, your student more than help them. Um, but any time that you could just make it practical and, and useful, then I think that's when they'll be like, oh, wait, Mom, I could do this math lesson outdoors. And you're like, wait, wait, how? Because you might not even understand it completely the way they, they're understanding it. They're the ones working through the book. You're just trying to teach them through the book, right? They're the ones doing the homework. So they might even come up with ideas and even challenge them. Like, hey, if you think you can take this math lesson outside, you know, how could you take this concept and use it outside? I won't have you do lessons one or pro, um, numbers one through problems one through 30, if you can show me this main concept you can do outside, we won't even do that, they won't, you know, and occasionally you throw that in there, but they do, math is building blocks. Math is not scattered, math is building blocks, and so it is super important that you do follow it sequentially, because math is that one thing that does really build on itself, and if you don't get the concept, you won't get the next concept, and then you just get scared of math. Um, a parent is saying, for the recording's sake, the fact that um, when they were working on a certain math concept, they just weren't understanding it, and so they just put it aside for a while, and they came back to a couple months later, and he got it. And so it's, it's probably, yeah, figuring out how to stop a concept is, is fine. Yes, thank you. That's another thing I used to do with my K2. So movement when you're learning math facts is huge. So in the morning, we'd always have morning time where you do the calendar and you do the weather and you do all those cute little things, but we'd always have counting time. But with counting time, it was exercise time. So I'd have my exercise leader and we would pick different exercises, whether it's push-ups or sit-ups or jumping jacks or side-to-side -side ski or whatever, and we'd count by twos. We'd count to a hundred. We'd count by fives, we'd count by tens, and it was amazing to me how I'd watch certain students just could not do it. They could not move and count at the same time. It was a huge struggle, and kindergartners were doing it fine, but my second graders were really struggling with it. Another thing that's really huge is you know you have your left brain and your right brain. Well, somebody taught me that as much as you can do to connect that is huge, and so what you want to do is you want to actually physically move your body. So if you do <clears throat> put your right arm up and then go down and touch your left toe, and you're counting, you're literally crossing your right brain with your left brain. And so just simply by moving your body like this while you're counting, you're actually getting that creativity 
side going with the logical side, which I think is super easy and super simple. So um, a great tool is just getting them outside and doing exercises. And I start going more advances. We count by twos, we count by threes, we count by fours um, with my K through two. My K through two is able to count by fours, which isn't something you normally hear, but because they had gotten used to that counting and that moving, and they had fun with it because they loved exercise time. And then when I went to go do math, math came fast. Because to be honest, at first, math is really just about you know, knowing how to put numbers together fast, addition. And once you knew how to count by them, it was much easier to do addition and multiplication. For the older kids, because little kids' concepts are, are easier just to do outside, but for the little kids, if, if, um, if you're not confident in math, I say just stick to the book. And this is one thing about outdoors is don't feel like everything has to be outdoors to be successful, not at all. Um, it's just getting them to have those concepts. And so if you do the majority of your schooling inside and you take them out once or twice a week for practical learning, you're still leaps and bounds ahead of the educational system. You know what I'm saying? And so for those of you who are just beginning as teachers, for me, for like I didn't take them out a lot at the beginning because as a K2 teacher, when you go to college, you learn a bunch of different theories and you learn how to teach. But there's something very different than being in the classroom and you're like, oh yeah, I want to get them to understand this. And to be honest, they don't sit down with you and like, at the end of the year, the kindergartners should sound like this. At the end of the year, the first graders should look like this. You have no idea, like, what is a first grader supposed to look like at the end of the year, you know? Um, what exactly are they, you know? Like, they have this big, like, curriculum, guys. You're like, yes, students must be able to identify shapes. Okay, you know, like, that's, and so to be honest, don't feel bad if you stick to the curriculum and you just have a couple days a week you take them outside. That's still awesome and you're still getting that practical learning and as you grow as a person they'll grow as a student and you you learn together yeah definitely um, another thing that I taught with um, multiplication and this is where like it um, you can even play around with your math curriculum which is kind of scary to do but um, when you're teaching plant identification you have them go out and look for leaves that grow in different numbers of pairs so ones that are simple or compound and they grow in twos or threes or fours or fives and you set up a giant multiplication table, but now you will have, you've covered, you've covered plant identification, you've covered simple and compound, you know, now you have a very complex plant lesson, but at the same time they're learning the multiplication tables in a really cool and creative way. Right, so go, go out into the forest and find me leaves that grow in twos. Now find me leaves that grow in threes. Okay, now two times four is eight. You know, and you just start practicing, and they get to use their leaf one. Okay, you point to that leaf one, and they're like, da da da. Okay, five times three. And then they're practically seeing how the math works out in front of them. So even if you just do that once a week, that's something. You know, the, the point is just to start and not feel like you need to overhaul your curriculum, because I don't think you do. I don't think you need to throw out the bath with the bath water. Like, I think there's a lot of strong, really good Adventist and non Adventist curriculum out there that is helping your student to think for themselves. Not everything is bad, but as much as you can to take them out, um, then, you're, then you're being successful. I used to say if I was creative once a week, <laughs> then I was a good teacher. Because I don't know about you, but it's just so overwhelming to make every lesson. You know, I taught K2. Well, that is like what she was saying. It's 11 subjects times three, so it's 33 subjects. And I, I, I got it all by myself. And with K2, you're with them 24-7. So I am helping them go to the bathroom. I am <laughs> helping them open their lunches and I'm tying their shoes and blowing their noses. And you know, when we go out to play in the snow, 
I got 13 little ones to dress and make sure all their, their mittens are tucked into their coats and their coats are over their boots. And it's like, da, 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 da. I have to go bathroom, Miss Boothby. Oh, da, da, da. Unzip him, put him in the bathroom. And then finally we were outside. And I just knew, you know what? I didn't cover everything I wanted in history today. But we spent an hour outside playing in the snow. They're K to two. We'll catch up on the communities later, you know? And so being flexible is the name of the game as an outdoor educator. Same thing as the name of the game on mission trips. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys do 100 days. 100 days is a big thing in the school spectrum. I don't know if it's a big thing in the homeschooling. Probably it's a little bit more difficult because you guys have the incredible ability to be flexible and to be like, yeah, we're going to go on this trip that's really awesome and educational. And so maybe counting the 100 days isn't, but 100 days is a big thing in that world. So there's a, an idea to do 100, 100 things but using the outdoors. Um, here's some more math ideas. Simply just do your math outside using sidewalk chalk. Um, instead of just being stuck in your textbook, if you just simply, you know, all grades could do that. You could use sidewalk chalk, and that gets them out, and that's super fun. Uh, go for a shaped treasure hunt. Collect natural materials and make repeating patterns. So stick pebble leaf, stick pebble, two sticks, one pebble, one leaf. You know, that's a really awesome K22 activity. It's because they have to do patterns. If you look at their cute little kindergarten books, you know, they're always trying to identify patterns. Well, what if they have to just go develop their own patterns? They, you get them a big bunch of natural materials, or they get to go collect them, and then they get to develop a repeating pattern. You know, two pebbles, one leaf, one stick. Two pebbles, one leaf, one stick. You know, whatever. Um, K to 10 math vocabulary, number collections, uh, like five red leaves and five yellow leaves, and then you sort them. Odd number hunts, find odd number of twigs. Even number, find even number of twigs. Uh, find double a given number of something, collect double the number of two green leaves, so you just tell them, go collect double of six, and they have to figure out. Uh, find something which shows mirror symmetry. Uh, find half a given number of something, half the number of 12 stones. Uh, you get the point. One thing that I think is this is really cool is the human ruler. Um, I don't know about you, but I have a really hard time when people ask me, well, how big was the church you built? Or how big you know, was the room that you spoke in. And my, my concept, you know, like, I'm great at measuring. I'm fantastic. I always was good at measuring in school. But I could not stand in this building and tell you, I'm, I don't know, 100 feet by 50 feet. I don't know if I'm anywhere close or not. But teaching them to be able to have that perception. And so, like, getting them to measure from their, and using their body as a human ruler, getting them to know from their elbow to their finger how long, that is, and then when they go outside, they can measure different things using their ruler. You know, maybe it's not exactly a foot, but it's still that principle of measuring, you know? And it's one of, one of those things, again, where it's like it's not going to fit perfectly. You know, when you put your little ruler up to your cute little math book, it fits perfectly. Four inches, right? When they go outside, it's going to be like, well, it was my, you know, less a hand. Well, let's measure how big your hand was. Okay, so now we know it's like this big, you know? Like, it just lends itself to problems and problem solving which is really what we want our kids to be able to do, is problem solve. Um, the distance of their steps, you know, that would be really awesome, is get the distance from what step to what step, and then they can go out, and I want you to measure, you know, the garden. I want you to go measure from here to here. How big is my garden? What do I need to plant? You know, the, the possibilities are truly endless. Measure the length of the playground. How far from the door to the gate? How far around the grassy area? How wide and long is the school or your home? How big is the sandbox? How tall is the school? How... How many steps do you have to take to get to the mailbox and back? How about to deliver the trash? You know, anytime you can use them, that practical math, 
Um, and then if you can get them to measure their height, and then you just have to use their height against things to try to assume, okay, if you're four feet tall, how do you, tall do you think this tree is? You know, then you get to do a lot of, of guessing and figuring out and all that kind of stuff. The Fibonacci sequence in nature is really awesome. I suggest taking some time to figure that out. I'm not going to go into that right now, but that is super, super cool for your advanced learners. Um, really incredible, and I would, I would challenge you even to look further than what I have there um, because I think the Fibonacci sequence is super amazing. Um, I'm still trying to fully grip everything about it as well because just, it's just really, really cool. Language arts. English, to me, naturally comes with outdoors. Like, we've already kind of covered some ideas for English. Um, so one thing that I think is really cool is using natural things um, to come up with, with poetry. And um, poetry, to me, is, is best inspired by, by nature. Um, and so if you just have your child go out and you have them sit and you have them write poems about the natural world, you can start with, a, with an easy haiku. Um, that's a super, super easy kind of poem. Um, five, seven, five, right? Is haiku, does anyone know? I think it's five, seven, five. I have it written here. Uh, I think it's five, five, seven, five, right? Is haiku. So that's super, super simple. Um, another thing that I've kind of talked about with, with English is the writing opportunity. So what I would really suggest if you could like look into the history of your local area, and then what you could do is once you look into the, the history of your local area is you have them write a narrative as if they were the ones experiencing that piece of history. But instead of just having to write from it inside, they get to go out and sit next to that lighthouse that that ship crashed against or sit on the battlefield and they're, they're one of the soldiers that experienced the battle on the battlefield. You know, just research your local area and then have them write as if they were one of the people that were there. So they're writing like a historical novel, but they're the ones having to do a lot of research to understand, you know, like what would I have felt? Would I have been cold? What would I have been wearing? Did I have shoes? Did I not have shoes? You know, and now you're, you're pulling in the research component. And for your younger learners, maybe it's just simply going to the library and finding a book about what your, um, what Native Americans or what historical thing happened in your area, and then just having them draw pictures and writing their own story, and then you just write, handwrite for them the story that happened that they lived, you know, and they're coming up with it, but you write it. Because what if their brains want to go lots of places, but when they have to think about writing, they're like, I'm going to make it super short. You know, kids are very smart. <laughs> and they're like, I know how to do it the most efficient way and how to make sure that I have the least amount of work. <laughs> and so they're going to be like very uncreative. They're like, I saw this. And you're like, I know that you have more in your brain than that. But maybe they just, you just need to write it for them. And then their, their, their imagination will go wild when they realize that they just get to let it go wild, you know? Another writing idea, um, sometimes you get writer's block with writing and you just don't know what to talk about. So having them just go out and experience something and then come back and write about it um, is really easy to do. Be like, I don't know what to write. Okay, go have an experience. Just go outside for 10 minutes and when you come back, you can write about that. You know? Or another thing to do too is take natural materials like rocks and stones and pebbles and then you design a, um, uh, a scene from anything just a scene, and then they have to write as if they're in that little scene. Does that make sense? So you're, like for me, well the activity that we had to do was we had to design something from our childhood. So I designed like my farm with, with rocks, and I showed where the fields were, and I did all this stuff, and then I had to write a story as if I was back on my farm. 
So they're just, but for you, maybe they're, they're young, so maybe they don't have a childhood memory, but they could just develop a scene, like there's this, because you know when they develop those things and they stick, they stick sticks in the dirt, they have a whole little story that they're coming up with while they're doing it, but just have them write it. Because they honestly are, in their little brains, while they're building their little rocks and their stones, they're having something go through there. They are, they're imagining cool things and they're doing cool things, so have them write about it. Maybe in that little scene, you know, the, the Indians were coming along and they were trying to do something helpful and then they fought with the, the pioneers and who knows what they're coming on their little brains. Really awesome and creative things are going on in there that just need to be tapped into. One thing that I really like to do too is to um, laminate things in nature and then have them write a book with that. So using leaves and, and flower petals and different things like that, you have them come up with different pages for their book and you publish this little book and then they write on the lamination the story. But instead of the leaf being a leaf, it's now a person and the leaf is experiencing this. And so they actually, they use their illustrations, but they use leaves and flowers to be their illustrations and then they write up the story. Um, it's super, super fun because they'll be much more imaginative than, than if they have to draw a stick person. Well, the stick person will just walk through this. Well, now the leaf is going to go tumbling down the hill and up this and like all of a sudden they have really fun ideas and they can draw around their, their leaves and different flower petals and different things. But um, at least that gives them, you'll find that kids just need something to get going. You can't necessarily just hand them a blank piece of paper and expect them to just get going. But if you take them out there and bring it back inside, then their brains will, will get going. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.